Chase in 1969, a New York Jets podcast. Today is Thursday, November 16th. Got a big game coming up this Sunday on primetime, late afternoon on Fox, I believe. We've got the Buffalo Bills and the Jets rematching since the first time our hearts were broken this season. Uh, we're going to preview that game. We're going to talk about some of the drama going on in the world of the Jets offense this week. We're also going to play a blind resume game with Theodore. I've compiled some stats and numbers, and we're just going to compare different players, different team offenses. Um, so fun episode today. Uh, before we get to all that, before I bring Teddy in, make sure to follow us on all of our socials at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Spring Blake. Young Theodore, we are going to spend an entire weekend together in Nashville. Uh, Friday to Monday. Yes. I'm super excited. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I mean, I, I just got my hair cut, so Look my good. head's feeling good. If you want to come check out the YouTube, you can see that. Um, the way I looked on Sunday night with my beard and the way it was and the was hair is just a big, big position to now. Yeah. Um, but I'm doing good. I uh, It's funny. I mean, we're obviously going to get dive way more into the Bills game later, but I've been like looking forward to this game all season, you know, because like we beat the Bills already. I was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was feeling okay about the Jets and thinking we were going to like get a win or two going into it. And so I've been really excited for this game, you know, just being like, wow, they can actually win this. Like, imagine if we sweep the Bills. Um, and the the past two weeks, the way that our offense has played has definitely dampened that a little bit, yeah. you know. And obviously the Bills have looked pretty bad too, but I've just kind of been like, like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel right now, but I, we're going to watch on Sunday and we'll see what right. goes down. <laughs> we're going to have our good friend, Mike. If you guys had listened to the AFC East preview pause the last two years, we're going to have our Bills representative in-house with us as well, too, watching the game on Sunday. So that'll be a really fun one. And hopefully uh, the Jets can come out on top there. But you're right. We'll, we'll get into it. The Bills definitely don't scare me the way the Bills used to, but they also are one of those teams kind of like the Raiders last week that made some pretty significant changes and, uh, you know, we'll see as, as we head forward together here who can kind of claim second place in the AFC East. Um, but speaking of changes on offense, uh, the Jets made a very drastic one <laughs> on Tuesday, I believe, uh, was when it was officially announced the Jets cut third string running back Michael Carter. Uh, Robert Sala said there were going to be changes to personnel offensively. Uh, Michael Carter, who was really diminished into a third down running back role after being nearly a thousand yard or maybe even hit a thousand in his rookie season with the Jets a couple seasons ago. His role was completely diminished with the signing of Dalvin Cook and with the emergence of Brees Hall being one of the best backs in the league. Uh, so he gets shipped out. Um, there were reports that even just a few hours before the, uh, offense as a whole held a players only meeting Garrett Wilson kind of let that out to everybody, let them know players got together. Um, Michael Carter has since landed in Arizona. The Cardinals, uh, claimed him, got him. There were a few other teams that put a claim in there as well too, but Arizona record wise was able to get him into the fold. Um, so Michael Carter out, Izzy Abanaconda in, um, where where do you because there's all a whole bunch of different angles we go players meeting Michael Carter Izzy other changes where do you want to start where does this story intrigue you the most yeah I mean I think the Michael Carter cut has been the the biggest news of the day um or of the past couple days and I think th there's just like a lot of angles to take because when you go on Twitter or whatever you know there's Jets fans that are upset about the cut. There's Jets fans who are happy about the cut. Um, you see a lot of comments from Jets players, you know, who are kind of disappointed, um, which I think is fair. But, like, 
you know, this might Michael Carter being cut, right? Um, Robert Sala comes out and says, you know, hey, we're going to look at some things in personnel and see if that can can get us, you know, where we need to go. And I think fans immediately, the two things that jumped to our head was, okay, Michael Carter potentially being cut and the idea of like CJ Uzama, you know, and him playing less. <laughs> um, but so one of the big like takes I've seen regarding this Michael Carter thing is like, oh, the Jets offense is is struggling. So they think that like cutting their third string running back is going to fix everything. And to me, it's like, well, no, that is not the case, right? Like whether you kept your third string running back, cut him, whatever, that is not going to make or break an offense, you know? So I do kind of think like the whole thing's being overblown a little bit. But at the same time, it's a guy, you know, Joe Douglas drafted. We were all excited about for a year. His role is kind of diminished for two years straight. And now here we are. Um, So I think there's just like a lot of attachment to him. And I do want to say, like, Michael Carter was awesome when we saw him, you know, his first couple of years when he was getting playing time. He seems like a pretty good guy. He seems like a guy that the organization, the coaches, the players all liked, all respected. all appreciated like all that stuff is definitely true with that said I personally don't think that needs to go a ton into this decision like you look at Michael Carter this year you know watching the games it's not like he's been super productive it's not like he has provided a ton for the team you know I think he had a few kind of like pops early in the season but really since then you know not much Mm-hmm. And you look overall, you know, it's a guy who had eight carries and 15 receptions in the first nine games of the season. Um, and, and, and like 12 of those receptions felt like they came in the closing drives a couple of games ago yeah, there. Was it two games six, ago or last sure week? Six, two games ago. Hey, just like, oh, um, my God. Final drive. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's like to me, this is a move. I'm excited. Izzy's going to get an opportunity to suit up to be on the team. But I don't. It doesn't really move the needle for me one way or the other, I guess. So I, I'm going to push back on it for a little bit different of a reason. I, I don't like the idea that, you know, that the offense is going through issues. Um, we know that the issues mostly stem from the quarterback play and the offensive coordinator. I don't like the fact that when you've got players all getting together, trying to figure things out that you let go of somebody that is at least very well respected in that locker room and loved a lot. Makai Becton had a really big quote on it about how he was just like one of the best guys in that community. And right now for a unit that's struggling to come over the top and, and get rid of a guy that wasn't, like we said, wasn't having an impact on the field. You know, the numbers have dipped down a ton, um, you know, from his fr- rookie season. I, I don't know where I got a thousand yards. I think it was combined a thousand passing and receiving. Yeah. That, that looks more realistic. Now yards from scrimmage in his rookie season was about a thousand yards. And then that dipped down about in half his last year. And then this past year, like I said, eight carries 38 yards, you know, the success rates down the yards per attempt has changed a little bit as well too. So I, I, I agree there's not, you know, a whole lot of impact, but at the same time, do we expect with Izzy Abanaconda up here at the RB three role that all of a sudden he is going to be taking more carries than Michael Carter was receiving. It seems like they're already going in the direction of giving more touches to Dalvin cook. And that's another name that can be thrown into this when you're looking at the cost of guys and the impact of guys where you're like, I just, I don't like the idea of poking a, an already disgruntled or, uh, not thriving unit 
by removing a guy that is at least very well respected in the locker room that's been around the entire tenure as well, too. I don't like what that does to the structure and morale of the offense at this given moment because it's it'd be one thing if he was on the field all the time and he wasn't performing I get getting him out there's a few guys on the team that we see on the field a lot that you're like we're not getting production but it's a guy that didn't have a role anyway so I don't get the point of just like making things more uncomfortable by removing a guy that did have a lot of value at least in the locker room because like is is Ibanakana going to come up here and be the RB1 is gonna be the RB2 no 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 how often are we going to see him this is this and and how it affects the running back room and the touches is what I'm most excited to talk about. I do think it's a fair point to say, like, he's a guy everyone likes, whatever. But I do definitely think that's overblown in just the fact that, like, at the end of the day, there's all these roster decisions. I mean, we talked about it in the preseason of, like, one of these running backs is going to be the, the odd man out, you know, and, and they're not going to cut a Bonaconda. Obviously, you have him on the practice squad or – no, just not the active roster. Um, but my thing with Michael Carter is you can say he hasn't had a role. That is true. But what he has done is he has acted as the pass catching back in this offense. And there are times where Michael Carter is out there getting reps just for a drive, though, like you're taking a look, 15 receptions, six of those came in that one game there. So it really wasn't even like right, but as if, the if pass when you're catching. watching, there are times that Michael Carter's out in the field. And in sure. my head, I'm like, it's surprising. Like, I understand we want to get all these guys involved, but I'm kind yeah. of shocked. And like there have been times where he's had a few drops. He's had some misplays. He's had bad blocking protection. So for me. When I analyze this move. Like. I, I saw a stat. Breesaw has 34 receptions on the year, which a big, big, I think, criticism of the offense is Breesaw needs to be more involved in the passing game. He, he has that skill set. Um, and so Breesaw has 34 receptions on the year. Only two of them have been on third downs. And that's because a lot of the time Michael Carter is on the field on third downs. And so to me, that's one of those things where the Jets probably sat down, whether it's too late or whatever, they probably sat down and said, what do we need to do? We need to start involving Brees Hall in this passing game more, and we need to mm-hmm. get him out on the field for those type of plays more in, in that package. And what I think that then did was kind of everyone kind of was like, okay, this is going to really diminish Michael Carter's role. And then I think that's where you get kind of the, okay, well, we have a rookie on the practice squad. Are we really going to keep this guy around that we're not going to sign? And then I think that's where you throw in, you know, Robert Sala and his presser yesterday um, has the quote. I don't have the exact quote, but it was basically like, we think Michael Carter's a good player, but we don't think he's going to get opportunity here. So we, we're going to do what's best for him and let him go. A lot of people have problems with that quote. I think that is fair. But at the end of the day, I think. Is this move, does this move mean Izzy Abanaconda is going to start getting a bunch of touches? No. What I do think it means is they're going to be able to consolidate the touches between Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall, and I think that will provide a spike potentially. I I like that. I, I Brees does need to like the biggest gripe outside of quarterback and play calling and wide receiver too. If you're looking at like what's the biggest frustration with the running back room is that Brees Hall is it, it needs more touches. Um, if they came to Michael Carter and they were like, "Hey, this is what's happening." you're not going to be able to really get on the field all that much. What do you want? 
I'm fine with it. If this was Michael Carter and they were like, we can keep you around as the RB3 or we can let you go earn touches elsewhere, I'm cool with it. Like, I'm fine with that decision because then I at least know that the player's there. But just I I hate the idea of like, I just don't like the idea of when you see, you know, post-game comments out of Garrett Wilson, which he retra- which he explained fully a little bit better that, he, you know, he wasn't just like already pr- trying to be this disgruntled receiver. Connor Hughes really clipped a, a bad part of a very long quote and made it seem like he was being a diva. And Garrett Wilson fixed that immediately. But to see Makai and all these guys, I just – if it was something that Michael Carter did not want, if Michael Carter did not want to leave this team, um, then – I don't really love the notion of, yeah. of shipping him out when when everybody else on the offense knows the problems. They know the problem is Hackett and Zach Wilson. So why are we going to be like, oh, this is the move we make? We're going to get a guy that we like out of here. Yeah, I to, again, though, like I, I think Michael Carter is a guy who is already on the roster bubble. Um so it's like, do people like him? Sure, but that doesn't keep you on football fields. I'm like, and like Makai Becton, watching Makai Becton's quote, you know, it's like these guys are sad because one of their friends is gone. But I don't think they're like fur. Like I, 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 to me, it was more like a let's give Michael Carter his respect. Let's hype this guy up because he's our friend and he's leaving. I didn't see it as like a. I can't believe the management did this. That is so ridiculous. To me, the unknown player passing Izzy's press conference, knowing that he is going to get picked up on a mic and go shout out Michael Carter, like that to me seems like a a a frustrated teammate. Like to yeah. me, that's like that's to like me, a it's jab just giving a guy his front due office and being like, because why? Again, I really don't think what why Michael do that Carter during Izzy's press conference enough to to keep him stick. Around. Not at all, not at all. But like, why are we saying that we if we're not going to put Izzy on the field at all? Why can't we just leave Michael Carter there and keep keep morale a little bit higher? Like to me, the player doing that during Izzy's press conference, and it could have been anybody. I have no idea who it was, but to just like during this young guy's. First time meeting with the media. He's on the active roster. It's this happy moment. And a player just walking by just like chimes and, yo, shout out Michael Carter. That kind of seems like a jab to me. That seems like yeah. a player that's not I mean, too to happy me, about it. When I hear that, my criticism goes to that guy. Like, I don't know. Like that guy shouldn't. Because it does kind of seem sound like it's being mean to Izzy. Like Izzy It is being mean wrong. to Izzy. It is. But at the same time. But it's I not. Feel- it's, I feel like it's more being mean to like the coaching or. Or like I guess it could it's be. Mean it's mean to everybody. It's kind of a dick move to be it like is. your new your teammate who has been your teammate for eight weeks. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like, but say that that's like a starter on the offensive line. Say that's a Makai Becton, uh, you know, or like a Garrett Wilson that said it. Like if it was just somebody on that offense that went by and said it to me, when we're in this tense moment right now where we're a really good football team that should be in the playoffs, but we have a really bad play caller and we have a really bad quarterback. I don't like the idea of just plucking out other fall guys just to say face. Like, why wasn't it? Why wasn't it Dalvin cook? Money. But he's got more. But again, like this again, it's like, we all are frustrated with Dalvin cooks production. I think it's better for the offense to cut Michael Carter than Dalvin cook. Like, I think, I think that like looking at like the locker room and to me, it's like, this offense is fr- everyone on the offense is frustrated and mad right now because they're not able to get the Score best touchdowns. out of themselves and to function and, and you know what I mean and so like yeah. 
the idea that like cutting your third string running back is going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't really agree with. Also, I do just want to throw this out. I like Michael Carter and I don't want to give any disrespect to him. Um, I put a claim. Is he available in our league? I put a claim on him and Elijah Moore were always super, super tight. The boys. And Elijah Moore kind of did what he did, you know, forced his way out because he wasn't happy, whatever. And since that happened, I really did think like Michael Carter's time is coming to an end here. Mm. And, you know, like when the Jets signed Dalvin Cook, while a lot of other players were recruiting Dalvin on on Twitter, like, you know, talking about him in the media, yeah. Michael Carter was the one kind of like and Brees, putting out these cryptic tweets and comments and stuff. So like. To me, the idea that like maybe Michael Carter didn't want to stick around either isn't all that far fetched, you know, sure, and, and sure. I don't think it's the right thing to do to be like, yeah, well, this guy's pretty good, but we're going to cut him because he doesn't want to play here. Like, I don't think that's like a good coaching or management thing. But when it works in conjunction of like, hey, we're going to limit your role. We want to give this, you know, our rookie running back some time, at least on being active so we can see what we have with him. Like your role is kind of going to be diminished, like, and and then he gets cut. Like, to me, it's kind of just, like, an okay move. Yeah, that's fair. And it, it, it it does not change anything on the field. Right, that's but the, the idea. Thing. Like, but the idea... Like, this is the move that's going to change it. It's like, no, it's not. But it's like, you know, the only personnel decision that you can do at this point in the year that would that's change what's things frustrating. is switch a quarterback. That is what's frustrating, though. The fact that we know yeah, and I, we've known for a year now that there was going to be this issue of a quarterback two issue if Aaron Rodgers ever went down and you can't, but you should plan for these. You should have backup plans. So like to me, what's very frustrating is you didn't have a backup plan. You could have done it a few weeks ago. And now we're being like, oh, well, the trade deadlines passed. So let's cut Michael Carter because they're not they're not getting rid of Hackett because Aaron Rodgers will be back at some point. Some Zach Wilson must have like banged a couple of people's moms or like has people hostage. Like, I don't know what it is with him, but like, to me, the fact that, Oh, well we're past the deadline now, darn, we can't do anything. It's like, we could have done stuff for so long because we knew that we needed to, to have a little bit of insurance. Even if say that Zach Wilson was on this role of the Kansas city, Philadelphia games, we still had the backups of Trevor Simeon and Tim Boyle. Still make a move. Just bring in a guy. And, yeah, and we've we've that is, you know, we've talked about it every week. Like that is what you can blame the Jets for. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this unless you do, I guess, but um the decision obviously to continue rolling with Zach Wilson has been one, you know, every week the past couple of weeks the the reporters have asked it. Like to me, I'm still perfectly fine with them continuing to say we're going to go with him over the other guys in the room for me I and, and listen I know 10,000 feet view like we talked about it last week right like the inability to have those ceiling plays and to score those touchdowns and to put um points on the board for your team like the inability to do that is almost just as bad as you know throwing interceptions and like actively losing the game. Like, I don't think 
Zach has been actively losing us games. I just don't also think he's been actively winning us games. And because mm-hmm. it's been over a long stretch, like anyone who is hoping for the benching of Zach Wilson, like I think that is 100% fair. My only real point there is I truly, truly do believe if you sit down and watch last week's game or even the week before it, like if you watch that game and then are like, this is, this will fix it is benching the quarterback. Like I'd still really not there, I guess. Like I understand it's like this weird place to be. I feel like, cause I understand that like there are probably better guys out there, but it, to me, like last week, it wasn't like, man, Zach Wilson is really fucking us. Like, that's not what I took away when you actually sit down and watch the game. No, it, and I think we even talked about this Sunday. To me, it's the confidence of the offensive coordinator to feel like they have a quarterback under center that is comfortable to do a little bit more. Because you're right, the, the play calling seems like they are still coddling this third-year quarterback that's got 30 starts under his belt now. And and that's Right, that's what I wanted part. to ask you about, right, is because – we talk about this. It does kind of feel like, like, where's the trust, right? But when you do look at the stats, really throughout the whole year, they're throwing the ball a ton. Like, time after time, they are throwing. It's not like they're saying, like, we're only going to let Zach throw 18 times a game. You know, he had 39 attempts last week. He had 49 attempts the week before. Um, is it conservative pass calls you know like is it is it is it like hey we're gonna call passes but we're still not gonna really cut it loose like it's just kind of confusing there I feel like to me it's it's passing when you absolutely need to like a lot of those came once the Jets started, you know, fell behind 16 to 12. Fair, like a lot of those fair. passes happened. Then the Chargers, they're down, you know, getting blown yeah. out. So you're throwing 49 game, really. passes. With then with uh, Kansas City, when you're playing the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs are putting up points. You know, I think they put up what 23 in that. So you're like, okay, well, we got to throw a little bit more. I'm surprised well, yeah. he threw up New England in uh, that 36 in that New England game. That's a little mind boggling. So to me, it is very more just like, they're throwing when it's absolutely necessary to. Right. They still it's like are the predictability trying to mix in. Of, of right. When it seems like we're gonna run, that's when we're running. And when it seems exactly. like we're gonna pass, that's when we're passing. And and yeah. And yeah, again, that's where like the conjunction of everything has just been so frustrating, you know, of of lackluster quarterback play, lackluster play calling, and then you pair that with the mistakes of penalties and drops and all those things. it's just been, you know, a terrible, terrible time. Yeah. Yep. So I, I, I'm with you on the quarterback thing. Like I, I don't think it's, I don't think change. What? Sorry. I didn't realize you were, you were saying more things. No, I was just saying like, I, I agree with the fact that like, no, I don't think Trevor Simeon comes in and all of a sudden we're a top 10 offense. I understand that he is a guy that was out of the league and kind of circled around. So I'm not saying like, I I, I think we're stuck with Zach Wilson until Aaron Rodgers comes back, unless there is that three interception game. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. There's a, if there's a massive turnover one. Well, and I, real let bad, me get your take on this quick. Yeah. Because I've always kind of been a fan and I say like, it's not like it's ever a good thing. But I I do like when coaches are willing to bench a guy, you know, in the second half or late in a game, but then are also willing to say, like, we're not going to bench him long term. But today we just felt like we needed that spark. Yeah, Belichick said that with Zappy at the end of the game against the Colts. (laughs) Which, 
Oh, fuck. Am I still here? You're still here. All right. What up? Um, yeah, no, because it's just interesting because, it, it, you know, again, like last week was such this odd game where early it did seem like we were moving the ball, but we kept fucking ourselves. And it never really was like, man, you know, we got to get a spark. We can't do anything with Zach. But there is just this thought of like, if we continue to just struggle and struggle and struggle, like I don't hate a world where like, Hey, let's put out the backup and just see what happens in the second half. If, if, if we just need to throw up a Hail Mary. Yeah. I'm with it. Um, Yeah. So I, I think that's the big conversation. The the big part of it was the Michael Carter story. So that we've got that out of the way. I do want to, is there anything else with the Michael Carter? No, I wanna, we got to talk Rucker. We got to talk. I uh, want to talk about the tight ends. Tight ends. We also got to talk about uh, the players only meeting. Um, one last thing. I just want to do a quick recap on the 2021 NFL draft for Joe Douglas. We've got Zach Wilson, who is bad at quarterback. We've got Elijah Vera Tucker. Very great. Two season ending injuries, back to back years. Elijah Moore traded. Michael Carter cut. Jamie and Sherwood, a backup. Michael Carter. Hey, thumbs up. Slot corner. I'll take Michael Carter. Oh, yeah. One of the best in the league. Good. Probably the best in the league. Great find there. So there's there's AVT and him. Uh, then you go uh, Jason Pinnock. Pinnock cut. Hamza Dean cut. Brandon Eccles backup. Jonathan Marshall cut. Not the best draft. Brandon Eccles is a good pick. Backup um, corner. Good cornerback depth. Yeah, but he that was, late. He was that solid late. when he had to play, and he's, he's yeah. been decent. Uh, who's the other guy Um, you just said? Uh, Pinnock. My only comment on Pinnock is like, I'm pretty sure he plays for the Giants now. He is on the Giants. And I'm always yeah. just like, hey, that guy used to be on the Jets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he is on the Giants. Um, yeah. No, yeah, definitely not a good draft class. We've talked about this draft class before because it, it's just been like slowly getting worse and worse, you know? I mean, um, it's, it's AVT, uh, Michael right. Carter, and, and Michael and Carter and Knuckles. And Knuckles is a depth piece. I do. Just put it know. out there. Just put it out there for context. We no, got it. We, we can't. We, the twenty twenty class ain't that great. I, we could say we could put a little bit of gay stink on that as well too. Twenty twenty one, very rough. Um, there's still a lot of time left for you know twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. Was twenty twenty one Gase or Sala? Twenty twenty one was Sala. That was yeah. he was, and twenty twenty was where it was Gase and um. Yes, and, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. What's and his Joe well, and Joe Douglas. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, the criticisms for Joe Douglas, I'm not ready to go there yet because he does have his hits. Oh, definitely. But it's, it's a just good one team. of those things it's a good team. where like we, right. And then like we have, we continue to kind of be like, yeah, these are really good, you know, draft picks. But like, as time goes on, things get worse. Like there is the world where all of a sudden, you know, if we just continue to be bad and bad and bad, it's like, okay maybe these weren't as good as we thought in the moment, yeah. you know, and that's when you start panicking. But I, uh, I definitely think any conversations about Salah or Joe Douglas leaving are tabled until 2025. To me, the, yeah. Yeah. Right to here? me, yeah. a good drafter, you're, you're, you're hitting on the premier positions and then you're just in those day three picks. You're just finding your depth pieces like the, yeah. the Eccles pick. I'll take it. That's that's a good find in the at the end of the day. And and Michael Carter's a great find at the end of the day. So there are some of those. And and undrafted guys are are have been solid, a couple of them as well, too. But I just just want to keep an eye on it because now another another we guy will. is gone and we're down to Zach Wilson, AVT, 
Uh, we've got Sherwood uh, still there. We've got Eccles and we've got Michael Carter. So um, Teddy, let's, let's, before we get to tight ends, let's just make our jokes real quick. Players only meeting held by the Jets offense on Tuesday morning. Um, Ted and I, I wasn't going to let Teddy try and spin this. I wasn't going to let him speak first and be like, I'm glad they're getting together because we were clowning the bills last week for holding a players only meeting. I um, wasn't, we're, you weren't picking on them. I was no. picking on them the second I heard that. Are you I, fucking kidding? I thought you were in the, in the Dr. Locks group chat with us roasting them. No, I listen, I played division three football. All right. Yeah, you did. I've been a did part guys... of some bad teams and some players meetings. I do remember you telling a story about a players meeting to me once. Yeah. I could be making that up, but I'm pretty sure that did happen. <laughs> um, like when the bills did it, like everyone wants to act like it's like this huge thing. And even like former players were kind of getting in on it. And, and I do think there's definitely like, I'm trying to give credit to the guy who said this, but I do think it's like fair that there's two kind of potential ways it can go. Like where it can either be like, okay, we have a players meeting and everyone kind of like gets together and is like, listen guys, like we have one common goal, whatever you talk things out and things improve from there. And then I do think there's the flip side where you have a players only meeting and you just kind of say like, all right, who, who's got something to say? You know, I think actually Will Compton might have said this on the yak, um, but they're like, who who has something to say? And then, you know, one guy says something and then another guy says something. And this click over here is kind of like, nah, fuck that. I don't really agree with that. And then you kind of get this inbreeding. Well, that's not the word in fighting. <laughs> not inbreeding. <laughs> inbreeding. <laughs> not inbreeding. Um, to me, like. With the Bills, it was overblown. With the Jets, it's overblown. Like either it's way, always like overblown. Only isn't going to save you. It's always but it's also overblown. not a horrible thing. Like that your players care and are like, "Hey guys, let's no. get together and talk as a team." You know, no. I do think we do need to start worrying about you know mutiny and culture, and, and it's something that gets brought up a lot. And I, I do definitely think the Jets have done an absolutely fantastic job of bringing in guys who love the game, guys who are leaders, guys who play football because they love football and want to be the best. Like, I, I think the character that they've got in their locker room is second to none. Um, But with that said, like you have star defensive players who are on a team where no matter how good they play, they still lose games. And you have star offensive players in Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall and other veterans who are not able to produce because of the quarterback and because of play calling and all these different things. Like we definitely do have to be on watch for like things could get out of control pretty quick. You Very know, quick. Um, two, two bad losses to Buffalo and right. Miami. Things get really uncomfortable and that's, and, and we don't need to keep this. That's why, like, for me, that was my big point earlier talking to Michael Carter stories. I'm just like, let's be very cautious keeping guys yeah, around that are very point. culture, have been through this tenure with the Jets here. But continue on because you're right. It 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 could get south very quick. Yeah, it could for sure. At the same time, I do. The, the one thing that we have to hang our ha heads on or hang our hats on with this Jets season is right now it feels like we're like a one and eight team, you know, and like the right, fact that we've right, had right. four wins. And I think it's fair to feel that way because like 
other than the Broncos game, it's not like, and even that had its flaws, didn't score a lot of touchdowns, but like that was the best offensive output, had the most scoring drives, had the most, I don't know if I had the most yards, but I assume so. Um, it's like the offense has still been bad despite the fact that we have four wins, but the fact that we did squeak some of those out, like it, it will quickly get back on track if you can get a win or two, you know, in these next couple of weeks. Um, that's so like, I'm not panicking that they had a player's meeting one way or the other. But again, I think the big point is like Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, the team, they got a lot of good faith in the way they carry themselves in the way they've gotten good players in the way they've pulled talent from this team that sometimes it seems like they don't always have, but you know, we could be looking at, at things going south pretty quickly. And that's where you, one of the things you're just saying is like, it, if you get it going, it can, it can really pick itself back up and get into some good momentum here that we had just a few weeks ago. One would also argue that the Chargers defense and the Raiders was the the chance to do that, not the no, Bills yeah, and the Dolphins. Definitely. So it's like it's like those two games you're just gonna look back and be like, man, that was a really dark point for the season where it kind of just flipped itself. Losing on to the Raiders. If the next few games don't go well there, especially if if Buffalo, you know, gets on track with the firing of Ken Dorsey, if Miami comes back on Black Friday and they, you know, hold up well against the Jets defense, like things could get funky pretty quick um so yeah the players meeting i just i wanted to put out there because it's always funny i don't i don't it's nice that they're talking i don't think i think it was also just offensive players only too so i think it was just that yeah one which i think ball. is like smart to like because the worst what thing do you think zach wilson's do doing that in that defense room? is is you know um like sauce gardner has the quote where he's basically like and i think this is the quote you're talking about that kind of got taken out of context but where he's like they're basically telling us like, you know, if you don't let them score, you don't like the worst thing it's you like, can hey, do to grown men. This isn't Iowa football. Play football for a living is try to act like, hey, it's all of us. It's not yeah. just the offense. It's all. It's like Bullshit. no, it's the offense. It's very clearly, you need one to side get it straightened ball. out. And and I think the Jets did that. You know, we saw it in Hard Knocks, and hopefully they are doing that now. But you know, at the end of the day, this offense has a lot, a lot to improve upon. Yep. And then one of the other big things to kind of move this conversation along to outside of the offense or with including the offense is uh, Robert Sala was discussing, um, you know, clearing up some more room for uh, Jeremy Ruckert to get on the field. Um, you know, he was saying we've got three really good tight ends. Jeremy deserves to play more. It's something that we're looking at, which I think penalty wise in the Raiders game was very frustrating. His play Kind of in general, this season has been underwhelming. His CJ Uzama. As, yeah, CJ Uzama specifically. So he's it when you hear that quote of Ruckert getting on the field more, your mind goes to, well, they're not going to lessen the snaps of uh Tyler Conklin. So that means Uzama's probably not going to be out there as much. Your thoughts on the tight end? Yeah. Man? I mean, I think it's the right decision. Uh, I think that Uzama's a great leader, has done well, you know. Um in being a leader for this young team. But at the end of the day, there has just been so many times where it feels like he is out there making mistakes and he is the one kind of, you know, helping to shoot us in the foot. And that really came to fruition this last week, you know, where he had three, at least drops through at least three penalties that, you know, killed big plays. Like 
when you have someone out there that, you know, is actively hurting your chances of winning, you know, I, I, I do think you have to really address that and make a move. Uzama too, since we've signed him is I'm a huge Tyler Conklin guy. Like I think Tyler Conklin's very good yeah. and kind of like a, a, a fun, you know, can be explosive playmaker. So like, I'm totally in on, you know, if we're running a pass play, especially, but really just in general, like get Uzama. Uzama's done enough bad this year that like you can't hold against the coaching staff for benching him. We've been very fair with Uzama too. We there was a two or three week stretch where we were like, hey, we like what we're seeing here, but it's yeah. dipped down again as well too. It's kind of he's been kind of the one thing where you take a look at the Jets' offense roller coaster wise, and you're like, oh, he kind of coincides with that. He was playing his well, best he, in those games, yep. and then when things got really bad, it was he can sometimes. Obvious. He can sometimes be that security blanket, right? Of like, we need a, a catch here on third down, and and it's Uzama, it's eighty-seven, you know, getting that. But there's just been too many times where he has the opportunity to do that and drops it, or you know, you look back, we score a touchdown, and he gets the hold, or you know, things like that. So it's fair. That's one that more so than cutting Mike Carter, I think, will have some effect on the field, you know. Yes. But again, it's like that there's so there's so much more that has to happen from an offense-wide perspective as opposed to just like it was cj uzama ruining it the whole time yeah um so everything sounds like a mess <laughs> hopefully it can get a little bit better it is. I, I, is it, it's, that's it's the crazy not, thing about it is right like now. our only hope is hope like like i've never felt more like a jets fan you know, because, like, you want to get – and, like, we do this podcast, right? And, like, I, you want to sound smart and you want to, like, be correct. And But it's, like, you just have to hope that the Jets offense goes out there and shows you something that they have not been showing you. You know what I mean? And you just have – like, the story for this Bills game coming up is, like, hey, you know the defense is probably going to be able to, to keep things close and whatever – but you got to hope that the offense goes out there and performs. And so far this year, they've been unable to do that. I do think there's plenty of reasons for that. And if they can clean up some of the sloppiness, they can at least, you know, score a couple touchdowns, get on the board. Um, but yeah, it's bleak. The offense has continued to be bad. It's something that we've just been unable to fix outside of one year for the past decade, you know, plus. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Life as a New York Jets fan. Yeah. All right, well, let's move along. I want to play this fun game with you before we preview Jets at Bills. See, you keep calling it a fun game. I have a hunch I'm not going to like it very much. It's a fun game for me. Because <laughs> like, when I was preparing this, I was like, ooh, but what if we take a look at this? And ooh, how about we compare that? All right, so yeah, I'm, I'm ready. This is a blind resume game. Um, we are going to be looking at the play, uh, comparing a lot of uh, quarterback numbers is really the most of it. But we're also going to take a look at one team's as a whole offensive numbers. Um, and we're going to throw out some stats. I'm going to ask Teddy which he'd prefer, and then I'll give him his answers. I'll see if you can guess them as well, too, to see, um, you know, if you think you have a hunch of who I'm talking about, what we're comparing to. Um, but this is this is just a fun game. So a lot of it is player-focused. Um, so I do want to just start off with the first team one and get it out of the way. So blind resume number one, we've got this team here. On the year, scored 16.4 points per game. Averaged 237.6 passing yards per game, converted 34.6% of their third downs, scored on 43.5% of their touchdowns in the red zone, had a 6.3 sack percentage, 
1.47 points per drive and 5.73 plays per drive. Those are a lot of numbers. So I feel like this, this one isn't going to translate as much too. So let's just say that team I'll give the team two and then I'll say where it's better. So team Do the two, first like three, four stats you have there. Yeah. Team one, 17.4 points per game, 237 passing yards per game, 36.34.6% on third down. And they scored a touchdown on 43.5% of their red zone opportunities. Now team two, 16 points per game, 207 passing yards per game, 25% third down conversion, and then 22.7 red zone touchdown percentage. So the, the percentages on third down drastically worse. Red zone is almost half of what it is from team one. Less, fewer points per game and uh, 30 fewer passing yards per game. What would you prefer? Yes. Well, okay. So obviously you prefer team one because yes. <laughs> team one has better stats in every area. Yep. Now, I know that team two is this year's Jets. Uh-huh. And the reason I know that, as I'm sure lots of listeners do, is I know that we have historically bad third down conversion and historically bad red zone touchdowns. And looking at 25% on third down, 23% red zone, I know that that's them. I am a little bit surprised. I honestly thought we were scoring less than 16 points per game. So, hey. Nice. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, but, oh yeah. God. Okay. So, now, team one. Yeah. Is that a Sam Darnold-led Jets team with Adam Gase? It is not. It is no. not. Okay. Who's team one? Team one is the 2022 New York Jets offense. Okay, that was my next guess. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we're scoring fewer points per game with Nat Hackett. Well, at least we're Zach like, Wilson was the quarterback. Yeah, for most. For, well, you but also those numbers Mike also White, are bad. Mike White's numbers in there were looking pretty oh, good Drew last year, too. So we got Flacco in yeah. there, so. No, but yeah, fair. everything's worse. Points per drive, plays right, per which drive, I think is sack percentage, that everything, almost that except is rushing. A bad, bad sign. Rushing is better this year. Everything else is worse this year than it was last year. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> and it was you know, bad we last year. We talked about the Mike Lafleur, you know, decision. Um, and it's not that I disliked. I think you probably pushed back on it more than I did, but. You know, through nine games, it, it doesn't seem like switching to Nathaniel Hackett has improved. And I think what's tough about Nathaniel Hackett is you have last year's like um, dumpster fire that was the Denver Broncos. And you see even them, you know, scoring more. Obviously, they have Sean Payton, a Hall of Fame coach, but Russell looks like, a lot better. It's hard to not point to him as well, especially right there. We're comparing two Zach Wilson seasons, you know, not yep. that either are very good, but the fact that we are another year in, he had Aaron Rodgers all off season. You have Garrett Wilson in his second year. You have Brees Hall in his second or third year. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Not a good, and, not a good. And you thing. also, I want to keep in mind, there were a lot of games last year without Brees Hall on the field, which lessens your ability to pass. And yet they were still able to find a way to, to succeed more in the red zone on third down in the passing game last year. Whereas, you know, we have had Brees Hall, maybe not fully, but we have had Brees Hall for the majority of this season. What I hate about the red zone and the third down stuff. And even like Zach Wilson, I think Zach Wilson has like throws a touchdown pass on like 2% of his plays. Like those numbers are so unbelievably less than league average. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
as a stats guy, you expect some regression to the mean, you know, of just like pure luck, just being like, hey, you know, here's a couple plays to kind of get those numbers up. But like, it has just been so, so frustrating to watch. Yep. So yeah, it, it it was another Jets team. You're right on that, but it was the the Jets of last year where things got really messy comparing it to where we're at this year. Um, so that's a team one. For the next ones, we're going to have, I'm just going to keep it, I think I've got just three numbers for each or four maybe. So it'll be a lot easier to understand and translate as opposed to just reading it on the, the Google Doc that we have that you guys can't see. So this next one, um, and 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 look, we're going to throw it out there. Zach Wilson is going to be mentioned in a bunch of these because that's that's, we're playing a quarterback resume game and we're talking about the jets. So uh, these two quarterbacks through their first 30 starts of their career. So quarterback one is averaging 189.8 passing yards per game has 25 total touchdowns and a hundred sacks taken. QB two has 222.7 yards per game through the air, 43 total touchdowns, almost 20 more than QB one and 75 sacks taken. So a fourth of the amount of QB one, um, Teddy, I'm sure, you know, which one is Zach Wilson, but any guesses as to who number two is through their first 30 starts of their career? I don't know, but is it Sam Darnold? It is Sam Darnold. Good guess. Yeah. Yeah. That stinks. Cause we watched Sam Darnold through his first 30 games and it was not pretty 43 total touchdowns. You know, it's just more than, a touchdown a game, but you know, here we are with Zach Wilson through 30 starts and he averages less than a touchdown a game. So yep. that is not a fun one again. Yeah. And I, and I am picking certain stats out to make it eye popping. The completion percentage for Sam Darnold isn't significantly better than Zach Wilson. This is, this is not to say it's that important Sam Darnold... though, because when we were at year three of Sam Darnold, you know, the, the fan base, I guess the fan base wasn't united. A lot of guys didn't think we should hold on to him through the coaching changes, but largely everyone kind of agreed, you know, like this is not good enough. We need to improve. And now three years through Zach Wilson, despite the the attempts to replace him, you know, things are worse, which is not good because it's not like Sam Darnold had a successful first 30 games. No, he did not. So Sam Darnold uh, off to a little bit better of a start to his career than Zach Wilson. Uh, Let's, let's move on to our next player one. So uh, these two quarterbacks have recorded 30 starts, of their own here are the numbers quarterback one has thrown for 5,745 yards has a 0.83 touchdown to interception ratio uh, 71.9 quarterback rating and an 11 and 19 record meanwhile quarterback two has 6,643 passing yards uh, so almost a thousand more than QB one the touchdown to interception ratio is 1.32 not fantastic but significantly better than 0.83 has a quarterback rating of 80.0 10 points higher than QB one not a great record but 13 and 17 who are these two quarterbacks Theodore this one I know this one yeah. I know and I know the QB one is Zach Wilson and QB two is Trevor Simeon Correct. Ding, ding, ding. You've got two of these so far. Two for three. See, now, does that make you think like we should play Trevor Simeon? Trevor Simeon hasn't been playing football in a while. Yeah, so to me, 30 games is too, it's too, too, it's too, it's too large of a sample size. Cause it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Trevor Simeon in his first like two years, you know, maybe I would have like believed in him a little, but it's like the guys have played quarterback in three right. seasons. Exactly. He's been he out broke for, his ankle for the Jets. But, we have seen him with the Jets for a, a month or so now, oh, six weeks or so, 
Like he hopefully, how, when did he sign with this year? Rex? You're saying this year? Yeah. Uh, I think a month, three or four weeks okay. ago. So, you know, the, the jets know what they're doing, but they also know the weight of the decision that comes with benching. Zach I just want to see him but, be the backup. Like, I don't really understand. Yeah. Like just at least suit him up. In case or is that, or is that the, the continuous coddling of Zach Wilson where Tim Boyle has no threat to, to come but it's again. like, is it the coddling of Tim Boyle? You know, like it's, no, it it's the coddling of Zach Wilson. Sense. Yeah, that's stupid. That it's all of no stupid. Yeah, I mean, these are going to get more. Sense. These are going to get more frustrating as they go on. So, all right. So we've gotten through two player ones. You've gotten both of those correct. I'm going to switch it up. Eras. We're gonna we're gonna compare a QB from the past uh, to surprise surprise Zach Wilson. So um, we're not looking at 30 starts. We're just looking at one specific season. We're going to be looking at Zach Wilson from this season and then one season plucked from this quarterback's career. Um, but they have a overlap that makes sense, and I'll explain that when we reveal the quarterback. So quarterback one, 207 passing yards per game, a 36.8% success rate. Uh, that is a metric based off of yards gained on like first down, second down, third down versus expected. So it's success passing 36.8%. A 74.6 quarterback rate, quarterback rating, and 33 sacks taken in nine games. Quarterback two, 188 passing yards per game, 41.4 success percentage. So throwing for fewer but succeeding more. A higher quarterback rating at 76.6, and then 23 sacks taken in just 11 games. So I think you can tell which one Zach Wilson is, um, just based off where we're at in this point in the season. Any any guess where I might be going with this quarterback? So the yards are fewer, the success is higher, the rating is higher, and he's uh, not hurting his team with sacks here, um, which I am going to say hurting the team because the Jets O-line has done a good job um, keeping a clean pocket. Yeah, Zach Wilson holds onto the ball too much. Um, yes, exactly. I don't know. You said different eras. Yes, and it has so a I'm tie thinking... to this Jets, not to the Jets organization, but kind of built themselves in a similar fashion. You got to just tell me. I don't know. It's Trent Dilfer that took the Ravens to the Super Bowl. Okay. Which was like <laughs> a historic defense, a very bad quarterback. The numbers are around around the same. You weren't yeah, passing Yeah, they're similar, really. Then. They're very similar. Yeah. Um, but you would still argue that you are getting a more efficient offense out of Trent Dilfer in 2001 than you are getting out of Zach Wilson. Right, which I think kind of helps paint the picture of like, is Zach Wilson a problem? Yes. Are there other problems? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I think there's a world where with a quarterback kind of performing around where he's at, you know, um, you can still succeed to some degree, obviously, yeah. but it, it doesn't. But that's funny. That's a uh, Super Bowl quarterback right there. Yeah, this is a Super Bowl quarterback. Probably the worst to ever bring one in. Um, all right, we've we've got one final more. This one is probably my favorite of the bunch. Um, so this is through 30, this is a 31 game stretch. So Zach Wilson has 30 career starts, but that Bills game, he was basically out there for the entire thing. So we're taking a look at a 31 game stretch. Love that quarterback one has thrown for 5,885 passing yards, has a 56.7 completion percentage, and a touchdown percentage of 2.1. Quarterback two has 7,189 passing yards. It's about 13, 1,400 more than QB one. Completion percentage right around the same, but slightly better, 56.9, and a higher touchdown percentage at 2.6. One of these is Zach Wilson. Any This one is obscure. Any guess at who quarterback is it two not? Is it not Mac Jones? It isn't Mac Jones. I, that would have been a good comparison to do. I should have thrown who? him in there. Who is it? So it is all of 
Cody Kessler, Josh McCown, RG3, Kevin Hogan, Charlie Whitehorse, and Deshaun Kaiser, a.k.a. also known as the 1-31 and Browns from the 2016 and 17 seasons. Uh, so we're uh, saying if this Jets organization was awful on defense and terribly coached, they would be at that one and 31 pace with this quarterback play here. Yeah. And I got to say too, there were some numbers in there. Deshaun Kaiser in the 2017 season threw 11 touchdowns and 22 picks. If you take out some of these stats that he had specifically, the numbers are a lot better in favor yeah. of the Browns quarterbacks over that stretch than Zach Wilson. Yeah. I mean, Hey man, <laughs> this is just like a, Hey, look how bad we are. Those names I, I are do hilarious. think, yeah, like, that's uh, this is this is why it was fun for me, stat, but not though. fun for you. That's such a good stat because I, I do, and you know, I'm not trying to act like I don't also do this because I definitely do to some degree. But like the Giants game is such a good example, right? Where it was very similar to these past two weeks. We had an offense that couldn't do much, couldn't move the ball, we couldn't succeed. But we get out of there with a win, right? And Zach Wilson has two throws late in the game that gets us where we need to be, and we're able to win the game. And everyone's just very willing to be like, hey, man, well, it wasn't pretty, but he stepped up when we needed to, and we won the game, you know? And it's like, that is fair. And, you know, give credit where credit's due. Like, you show up in a big moment, I will give you credit for that. But there ha- you know, this defense that we have, I really, really do think every week we watch the Jets, it is the best defense in the league. Like, I think you watch them and you're the most confident out of anyone that they're going to get stops no matter who they're going against. The offense has just continuously been so bad, bad, even throughout the wins, you know, and we talked about last year, like, we don't want to get, we don't want to be like, oh, well, we pulled this one out, so we don't really need to kill them as much for it. Like, you have to be realistic about where you're success is you know um so yeah i mean that that paints a good picture but it shows you how bad the offense has been and it's been so 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 bad my only hope is regression to the mean yep yeah it's just fine i mean the 2016 and 17 browns are the worst collection of a football organization i think i've seen in my lifetime we've seen this century so just comparing and i mean deshaun kaiser was a quarterback for part of it deshaun kaiser charlie whitehurst kevin hogan robert griffin the third josh mccown and cody kessler the only one of those i don't really remember is kevin hogan yeah i'm trying to think where else he had stints i mean it wasn't long lived but he was there for both of the years um so yeah, fun. See, and that's where it is. It's like fun game for me because I enjoyed looking all this up, but it's like, holy shit. I know. <laughs> we are getting, yeah, the Sam Donald one hurts. The Simeon one, you're like, mm, what are we going to do here? And yeah, then- I mean, the Sam Donald one hurts, and then you pair that with the last year's offense. Yeah, really. It, it, it's just like, how are we worse? Like, ain't no. <laughs> yeah. Last year, you would have sat there and you would have been like, well, we can't get worse. You know, and it's yeah. like, here we are. And those 30, 30 stats, I believe, were all with the Jets as well, too. And we would say Sam Darnold's had a really good stretch in Carolina last year as well, too. Probably some of the best that we had seen through his career as well, too. So Maybe. we're we're leaving. Out I don't really think Sam Darnold's had a really good stretch ever. He had a good stretch in Carolina. I'll, I'll I don't know about there. that. He, he had them uh, first place in that division for a bit. He, yeah, uh, but he I mean, it wasn't sucked. great, but it was the best of his career. Yeah, poor Sam Darnold. Success rate, yards per attempt, completion percentage. Yeah, touchdown interception ratio. Yeah, that that boy was cooking. Seven touchdowns, three picks. Come on, Theodore. 
God, these quarterbacks, man. There's so many bad quarterbacks in the league. Seven um, touchdown and three picks. All right. Well, let's well, let's let's get this Bills game going. Um, you know, the, yeah, the Bills I was just it. gonna say, now that we now that we hyped up our offense, <laughs> yeah. let's get into this weekend and how, how many points we're gonna score. Yeah, maybe we'll so, be able to score more than 12. Right. Uh yeah, maybe. hopefully. I hopefully. doubt it. No. <laughs> well, I the Bills are because the Bills are gonna score more than 12, probably, I would assume. So let's let's get into this. So Bills hosting the Jets. It's that late afternoon slate. We're all gonna get to watch it. Um, the Bills are a seven-point favorite at home. This comes after a, a pretty big shakeup for Buffalo. You know, that we joked about the Jets making a change with Michael Carter in and potentially Ruckert on the field more than Uzama. But uh, Sunday will be the first game in the last two seasons that Ken Dorsey will not be the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. He was let go after the Bills' uh, gross loss to Denver on Monday Night Football. In steps Joe Brady. Joe Brady was a, like a wonder kid a few years ago and I there was like this this time where he first got bumped up because he was the LSU offensive coordinator for their prolific season with Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards Alaire, and he bumps up to the NFL ranks and then it was like, oh, he's going to get on this fast track to being one of like the next Sean McVay's Kyle Shanahan kind of took a little bit of a dip down. He struggled in Carolina. Yeah, him and Matt he's... Rule were the two like hot Exactly. The and they Jets were on the same staff. They right, were the that's same what I'm staff. saying. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he falls back. He's the QB's coach for the Bills, now the offensive coordinator. So you expect something to change offensively for the Bills, um, but we also know that this Bills offense struggles with this Jets defense. So um, as much as we want to kind of clown around with this Jets offense and say that it's you know it's not good right now, who knows what version of the Bills we will be getting Sunday. It's a very much unknown at this point. Um, but we do know that they still have Josh Allen, who, despite all of his turnovers, can still be a really effective one of the best quarterbacks in the game when he's at his best. They do have Stephon Diggs. James Cook really was kind of the lone bright spot of that game last year. Rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid has come along this season. So when you take a look at this, what's the vibe check? Are you looking at like, oh, the Jets have this advantage here, so I feel better about it? Or like, give me give me your thoughts. Yeah. You I will say... um. This is like the most confused I've been all year and how to feel. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things like last week, I felt pretty confident and it turns out I shouldn't have, but I, I felt confident in the fact that the Jets should be good enough to be able to beat the Raiders. Um, when it comes to the bills, the bills have underperformed this year and can sometimes look like broken on offense. Um, I do still believe they're a very talented team. I believe especially offensively, like they have playmakers and not only do they have playmakers, but they have a playmaker at quarterback and a great quarterback and whatever you want to say about Josh Allen and how he's played. He is, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the league, a top 10 quarterback. Um, so, you know, it's one of these things, right, where when I look at this game, I think that the Bills should be a seven-point favorite, right? Like, they should be projected to win. They've been better. I think a big thing, like, people want to be like, well, Zach Wilson throws one interception, and and he's the, you know, devil to Jets fans. But Josh Allen throws two interceptions, and no one cares. I think that's, like, been, like, a, a narrative. And that is fair, right? Josh Allen has 
kind of hurt his team with turnovers. The difference is Josh Allen is scoring touchdowns and can be electric and does yeah. have that ceiling. And it's what, what I was talking about earlier with Zach Wilson, right? Like throw a couple of interceptions if you're also going to throw a couple of touchdowns, you know, but like you can't just like not be losing the game, but also not winning it. So like Josh Allen to me, despite any struggles, he's still a great quarterback who has that ability to win games. Um, so like my overall confidence level, not super high, just because what have the Jets offense done to show us anything? The only thing that the optimist Jets fan over here can hang his hat on is if you look at how the Jets have performed against the Bills over the past two years, they have been able to confuse them defensive, confuse the Bills offense with the Jets defense and really shut it down. You know, the Jets, everyone knows, are very successful at getting to the quarterback when they're only rushing for not bringing extra blitzers. And that's kind of like how you limit a Josh Allen is you just stay in that too high shell and you just don't let anything beat you deep. I mean, that's what the jets do all day. So it's one of those games where, you know, it's not a ton different than what I felt, you know, when we're going into week one other than, well, I guess we thought we had Aaron Rodgers at the time, but like defensively, I do think our defense can hang around with the bills. I think they can hold them to under whatever their average point scored is. I think they can, you know, be that and hopefully force some turnovers as we've been able to do against Josh Allen. At the end of the day, if our offense can't click and make some plays, you know, think like this is a game where like most likely if we want to win, we're going to need three turnovers. You know, like you look at week one with Zach Wilson out there, we had four turnovers. Josh Allen's trying to push the ball deep and Jordan Whitehead's making plays on the balls. Like that gives us opportunities. We haven't had a lot of turnovers the past couple of weeks, which has made the, you know, like a lackluster offense doesn't look as bad when you get a punt return score or the defense puts you down at the five and you're able to punch one in, you know, like, you can kind of get by if you don't have turnovers, the offense probably isn't going to be good enough to win this game. Yeah. I think the, um, I've, I've kept looking at these last few opponents and I'm like, man, can the jets offense get going against the really bad chargers defense? Can it get going against the Raiders defense? That's underperforming. This bill's defense is not what you would have said it was coming into this season. No, um, they have lost star players at every different level, but I still, at the end of the day, I do not have faith that the jets offense with a players meeting and a, and a cutting of Michael Carter and promotion of Izzy Abanaconda is going to solve everything this weekend. I'm kind of also worried on the flip side that given the timing of the firing, I think this Bill's offense has a chance to look the most deceptive against the Jets defense that we've seen. We know what to expect with a Ken Dorsey offense. We've seen a year and a half of it. Sure, Joe Brady, you know, we don't know what he's going to bring to the table, but we know that they can take a look and say, where are we failing this year? Where can we address? Where can we specifically let's get, let's just make one right step. How can we best attack this jets defense yep. in ways that we haven't the last two years? When I think of that, I think of James cook looked fucking amazing last week. So run heavy with him. And then what have the jets struggled with at different points this season, a running quarterback. So to me, if I'm looking at where I think the bills are going to most change things up because look they're still going to throw the ball they're still going to get digs involved they're going to get the tight end involved they're going to take their shot with gabe davis shakir like they're going to take their shots 
But where I think they're most going to adjust this game plan is I think they're going to try and really just ground and pound and kind of like that Dallas game. Look, we don't need – we can take these field goals every once in a while. We can just push up and down the field because all we need to really do is get to like 15, 18 points and probably right. be okay. So that's where I really – I would have thought catching this Bills team right now where they're sitting at like 5-5 five and five and the world's on fire, it's like this is it. Like this is the game. I almost feel more comfortable about the Jets shot the following week, Black Friday with Miami than I do with the Bills now just because the Bills – are desperate and they're a desperate team with a lot of talent and most of that talent resides on the offense yeah i love when me and you are like in lockstep because it just it makes me feel like we're smart sometimes yeah we know ball ourselves. we know but ball. it's like if, if we have the same thought we at least are in you know conjunction there um no yeah my first thing i want to say i definitely would have preferred the bills to come out and like beat the the broncos by 15 yeah, exactly you know <laughs> look great in that like, game right because it, it does feel like they're going to be looking at a lot of things um and I, I totally agree with you i think that running the ball will be their key and the fact that they've changed offensive coordinators obviously kind of provides this opportunity to improve i think when you look at the bills this season and even last season, you know, they've obviously had their pop games, but they've had their fair share of just like, man, their offense is just not clicking. And truthfully, I think a big part of that has fallen on the play calling. Um, I think that's why a lot of Bills fans have kind of been expecting this Dorsey move. Um, a mistake I think a lot of teams make against the Jets. And don't get me wrong, the Jets can stop the run well we're you know, so they in have, lockstep with this game they have a Go good ahead. run defense but i think a mistake that teams do like i'm sitting there watching the game you, any game i'm when i watch the jets of this year like to me like uh when they throw the ball on first down that's when i get excited because it gives us that opportunity to get them behind the sticks right okay yep, now second it's second and, and ten now you have to throw the ball again and we're going to be able to just you know, come at you with our elite edge rushers and all these things. Um, I think one of the mistakes that the Bills have made in their games against us is for some reason, they're able to move the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And then they just like try to pass. And it's, it, it, it's just like, why you could beat us if you just kept running the ball, but instead you're giving us opportunities to put you behind the sticks and to get turnovers because you're throwing the ball. Yes. And so it's like, if there was no changes, I think I would expect more of the same. And I'd say, hey, the Jets are probably going to give this Bills offense fits. I do think things are going to be a little bit different. And while I'm still confident in the defense, I think most likely the Bills are going to have a little bit more of a kind of refined game plan of like, let's simplify things. What's working well? Like, let's do that. And I think they're going to end up running the ball a ton. And I think the potential for them to be moving the ball and to make less mistakes of like, hey, it's second and 10, but Josh Allen just threw a 50-yard INT. Like, I, I think those things are going to be limited a little bit. If you're patient with the Jets' defense, they're yeah. going to give you in between the 20s. And if you have to kick five or six field goals, yep. the Jets yep. aren't, it's going to be tough for the Jets' offense to match that. The Raiders did a great job with that this last week. 27 carries for Josh Jacobs, 116 yards. Does that average out to like he was crushing it? No, but he, the Raiders and a had lot this came idea. on that one chunk. But it's like if you the, get that one, like the the Raiders had one good offensive drive. Yep, it was enough to win the game. Yep, 
And I think we've seen that in a lot of these Jets losses and some of them. The Chargers one I throw out because the turnovers on offense. No, but I agree. Punt return Even the Chargers like, one, they have the punt return, but there, there's exactly. the two drives that they scored. If you're just patient and take what they give you because the Jets are all about just like, we'll just sit back break. there, we'll let you move, but we'll tighten up in the red zone. When you're playing a, a defense like that, you need an offense that can convert some touchdowns. The Jets cannot convert touchdowns right now. And the problem where I start to worry about the Bills this time around is if they take that more patient approach, they can finish this off like the Cowboys game because they have the playmakers. You know, the Raiders didn't get into the end zone that much because, you know, they don't have a great quarterback. They do have good playmakers, so I don't want to discredit the receivers there. But the Giants, you know, they ran the ball 35 times with Saquon Barkley in that game. They don't have passing options. They don't have a great quarterback. When you can move in between the 20s, eventually once or twice, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, James Cook, Gabe Davis, they're going to find the end zone at some point. So yep. as long as the Bills are patient, they should be able to walk out of here with not an easy victory, but one where you're like, did they figure everything out? No, but did they get an important win heading into an important stretch for their season? Because look, they got the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, I think are the three next opponents after the Jets. So this one, this game for Buffalo right now is just like, let's, let's we have to win this. Get something. Yeah. Let's get something going. And uh, we don't need to go too crazy. I think they're going to do their best to just kind of, it's that Dallas game plan where it's just like, look, we're just going to eat up the time of possession. We'll kick field goals if we yeah, have and to it's kick one of those, them. The importance of the Jets not having turnovers offensively, you know, and giving the Bills extra opportunities is paramount. Exactly. You know, because, exactly. You know, and obviously we need to score as well, but so much of it is going to come down to, you know, are we able to kind of keep the ball out of the Bills' hands and just put up enough points? I mean, I definitely, like, like last year, I think the second Bills game was 22 to 17, the one we were at. You know, I could see this being like a 22 to 13 type game, you know, where the Bills win, but they didn't look great, but they look better than the Jets. You know, exactly. that's not going to be my prediction. Ah, I'll let you <laughs> that's go going to be pretty close. To, that's going to be pretty close to my prediction. I, I do think that they'll find the end zone a couple of times on those drives. So if you give me 14 and then give me maybe, oh, three, uh, give me four yeah, field 23. goals. Let's get, yeah, 23 is kind of crazy. You really hit that on there. So yeah, I'll go Bills 26. It's tough to predict the Jets over 14 points, man. It's tough and to predict them over 10. Is... It's tough to predict them to score a touchdown. Kill exactly. me. Kill me now. Oh, man. Especially I'm just in predicting Buffalo. the Jets to score one touchdown. That's what I think my bold prediction. That's Can probably going to be what? Plus 1,000? Once. I, that, what, odds on them scoring a touchdown. Jets that, offense probably just one touchdown. On it's like the week. hardest bet in the world. Holy! My shit. brother told me the other day. He said, "If you want to lose money, just bet on Zach Wilson to throw one one passing touchdown every week, and you'll lose <laughs> it all." <laughs> oh no! Yeah, that's sad. Honestly, why aren't we betting the under on the passing touchdowns for him? We should be doing that. We'll throw that into place. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Bills twenty six. Which is a lot for the Jets defense, but I think it's be one of those games where it's like they just the dam breaks at one point for them, where they just they they let up a touchdown and bad field position. So it's it's gonna feel a lot like a lot of these games where it's like the defense held up for like 40 minutes, but then they were on the field for the 45th minute and they just were tired. Um yeah. especially, yeah. you know, doing that same game plan week after week. So I'll go Bills 26, Jets 12. I was going to say give him 13. 12 is even worse. 12 is four um, field goals. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to just hope that the Jets offense is due to at least score once or twice. I'm going to go 20 to 18 Jets win. 
defense steps up. You know, I'm just hoping for the best, everybody. Yeah, I don't blame you. It's gonna suck watching. We should do. We should do. Oh, uh, it's gonna be get a- back. When we get back Sunday night, we should just get us around a mic with Mike, uh, Mike with Mike, and uh, and we'll all just sit on one Zoom camera right here, and we'll all just talk about the game. We'll pass the mic around, have a good, healthy discussion while we're. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I'm, I'm, I might just uh, go hide and bury myself yeah, and, and not be involved. I do want to take us to the Bills bar for that game, but that could be scary. There's I'll one do Bills it. bar you know down me. here. Yeah. Will they be right. mad at me? Uh, Bills fans are pretty nice. When yeah, when we went to Buffalo, they, they, they are were a pretty nice, nice bunch. Oh yeah, like and like I can handle a little shit talking. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, hey, let's just paint the picture real quick. Let's try to get hyped up. At the end of the day, it has been a terrible season for the Jets. It's also been a terrible season for the Bills. But the Jets are still, you know, half a game behind the Bills, two games behind the Dolphins with the game coming up next week. Um, as uh, as um, I'm trying to think of the right word here, like as disheartening as this season has been for both of these teams. Like, I think the Bills... Bills fans are feel horrible right now, and they say there's no way that we can make the playoffs. At the end of the day, they're one game out of this division, and they still got to play the Dolphins once. And I think that's awesome. And at the end of the day, the Jets as well, you know, they stink. They've looked bad. I don't have much expectations for them. If they can pull out a win here, it does kind of make your season feel a little bit more alive. Um, so, you know, as down as we are, very, very important game. You got to sit down and watch it. We'll hope for the best and, and we'll talk about it, uh, maybe Sunday night or maybe next week. If, if I bail, that was important for you to say there, Theodore, I spent this entire one just crapping on the jets with the, the blind resume breaking down the game. We do still, we are still a jets podcast. This isn't where I just laugh at your misery. No, but it's very, very important that you are here because if, this podcast would be way too positive for how the season <laughs> for has gone if, if it was just me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always spin zoning. We we balance each other out, and hey, you still picked him to win, and maybe you're right. I I look, I I think every t- almost no, I haven't been wrong every time, but like I thought we'd beat the Raiders. I thought we'd lose to the Chargers, so I guess I got that. But I it, well, I look. think I said this last week, like over the past two seasons, every time that it's been like a like they're completely buried that's when they show up and win a game that you don't expect them to. With that yeah. said, I've said that enough this week that I think I'm kind of expecting it, so who knows. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, let's hope for the best. Hope for the best. All righty. Well, make sure uh, to enjoy the game this Sunday. Follow us on our socials at NYJ underscore Chasing69. Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I am at Spring Blake. We love you. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace. <laughs>